I want to begin with a picture of a person. I bet you have heard of her, Mother Teresa, right? Mother Teresa, I think probably most of us have heard of her, one of the most recognized compassion ministry leaders of the 20th century, recognized around the world. She made the top 10 most admired men or women list 18 times in her life, won a Nobel Peace Prize, created Missionaries of Charity, which is an organization approaching 5,000 individuals that has take, they have taken a vow of poverty to go and serve the poorest of the poor. Mother Teresa, heard of her? Three of us, come on. Yeah, okay, heard of her? Right. Well, uh, recently, I was listening to some talk radio, and I believe they were celebrating uh, remembering the anniversary of her passing back in 1997. So it was a month ago I'm listening to this dialogue, stories about Mother Teresa, and one of the stories caught my attention. Mother Teresa was awarded from the United States a Medal of Freedom. Here's a picture of her receiving that. And a couple of the details of this caught my attention. First of all, she's not an American. But she was like so amazing, we gave her, just thought, well, let's just give her a award because of her world impact. Another thing, when she was invited, invited to the official ceremony, was her and a dozen other people, she told the president, no, I can't come because I have work to do. And that, I thought, wow. And then the last thing was a comment when... President Reagan actually got her to come to receive the award. Here, were, this was one of his comments to her during the speech thing. He says, this is the first time I've given the Medal of Freedom with the intuition that the recipient might take it home, melt it down, and turn it into something that can be sold to help the poor. I use her as an example of a person who has found their God-given purpose. I think she figured out why God had her on this planet. That introduced this question. Wouldn't it be great? Question. Wouldn't it be great to... I'm going to put it up there because I'm going to read it, I think. Wouldn't it be great to point into the strange... (laughs) atmosphere. I'll just read it. Oh, wait, no, there it is. Wouldn't it be great, wouldn't it be great to have clarity of purpose? Or for some of us, wouldn't it be great to have even more clarity of purpose? For some of us, it might be, wouldn't it be great to even have a little clarity of purpose? I am so grateful for the clarity that I do have. It helps me know what to say yes to, what to carry as a burden, what to not carry as a burden. I've got a friend who, for the last four years, keeps inviting me to join a golf outing, a weekly golf outing on Monday nights. And my clarity of purpose gives me confidence when after the, you know, hundredth time, I have still said, nope. And it's not that I don't, but it just helps me in the midst of some decisions like, yeah, that's not part of my 
purpose. By the same token, someone recently invited me to a benefit golf outing for the unborn. And I said, yep. And the reason I say one to, yes to one and no to, it's because of, I know at least in some measure what I'm on this earth to do. Clarity of purpose drags me out of bed in the morning when I don't want to get up. Is there anyone in the room, or you can wave if you're a grape or online, any of you like morning people who like to get up? Raise your hand. I do not understand you. I acknowledge you. I do not understand that. Now, any of us like, I can never, almost never, is there a moment where I think now's a good time to get out of bed? I just think, I don't know, this guy, just something in my, it's like, I don't know, I think I could stay here longer. But what, what drag, and I use the word dragging, but I do get, by the way, I do get out of bed. But what pulls me out of bed more often than not is the reality of I know there are certain things that I am supposed to be doing today. Now, I'll interject this. I haven't done it all services, but I, some years back, developed a purpose statement for my life. I'll share it just in case you've never explored that. I'm here to love God, serve my wife, train my kids, and grow the Vineyard Church. And can I tell you those things, don't, you know, dissect that too much, I would say, this is free, if you've never taken some time to figure out and to ask God and to write something, why am I here? Uh, that purpose statement for me helps me so much in my daily life for the yeses and the noes and when, I'm going on a tangent. But, okay, no, I won't, sorry. Uh, where are, where am I? So grateful for purpose. Here's a quote. The mystery of human existence lies not in just staying alive, but in finding something to live for. So hold those thoughts. We're in a series called Asking for Our Friend and Asking for a Friend. And today's question is, how do I find God's purpose for my life? And we're going to explore a really simple text where God is introducing four individuals to their purpose. Matthew 4, 18, Jesus is just, explore, just uh, embarking on his earthly ministry, and he's beginning to call people to be in his core team. Verse 18, it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. There's the, there's the direction God the plan of God for their life. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Again, our question for the day is, how do I find God's purpose for my life? And from this simple text... 
I see two things that I think will help us. So let's pause and pray. And uh, yeah, let's pray. God, most of us, most of us are probably leaning in now thinking, I'd like to have more clarity on that. And so I pray that you would be our teacher. And even beyond, way beyond the words that I will say, will you move among us and call us out and give us insight or challenge us, whatever we need, whatever we need, so that this afternoon or tomorrow we might be a step closer to right smack in the middle of your purposes for our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Two things I see in the text. The first one is this, and if you're on site and want to write it down, or at home making notes, finding our purpose requires some complexity in the process. A couple things from the text, verse 19, when Jesus says, come follow me, and he says, I will send you out to fish for people. First of all, we won't spend much time here, but on the fish for people, that's, what is that? What does that look like? If you're a disciple, if you're there, and you know what fish for fish means, but I'm just submitting to you that it's probably going to be a little bit of a process to figure out what in the world is he talking about fishing for people. But also what made me think this is probably somewhat complex is the word, I will send you out. Now, different translations translate it like this. The NLT says, I will show you how. So there's the, I will send you out, or I will show you how. The most common translation of this original word is, I will make you. I will shape you into, I will make you. Hi, my name's Jesus. I'm going to make you into this. So I was looking at the I will make you original language word. For those of you that don't know uh, the Bible, original language, when I talk about that, it's in the Greek and so one word then gets translated into these multiple English words that help us know. So there are different Bible study tools you can use. And so I, I do that. Like I'm checking out this word. Here's the word in the original language. It looks like that on the left, that poieo, uh, to make, to cause, to manufacture. So it's not a bad interpretation. Jesus could have elaborated on this and said, hi, my name's Jesus. Come follow me and I will make you. I will cause you to be. I will manufacture and construct in your life, in you into. So I see how that works? So as I'm looking at these study helps, the next thing I see is a paragraph of all the usages of this word. That's the paragraph of all the different words that have been translated out of this one word. I'm making a point here. In all, in all of my studying life, in all the times I've searched words and explored, and I'm not a Bible scholar, okay, but in all of the times I have ever, will you put that big chunky paragraph up there again? In all, I cannot recall one time where I explored a word and it had that many, dip, that big of a paragraph regarding translation. So this just begins to get my attention. I'm like, wow. And then I start scrolling 
And folks, to help me understand this word, 12 pages of the nuance and the usage. And that is just so noteworthy to me. And so here's my point. This idea, I think we have a fill in the blank. The process of discovering purpose, if the word is that complex in the Greek, the process of discovering purpose is not a simple matter. That's the little point there. It's not a simple matter. Jesus did not come up to the disciples and say, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now you're a fisher of men. It's not the way it worked. The disciples entered into a three-plus-year process with Jesus, where they were with him almost every day. They were part of regular dinner discussions on how this ministry life thing. They got to ask questions. They watched Jesus be a fisher of people. They had, over this three-plus-year period, they had really great moments where they were getting it. You know, like, if I'm sure Jesus looked at them times and thought, man, you guys are so getting it. You're developing into God's, to the Father's purpose for your life. You're starting to fish for people. You're getting it. There's one really good moment when Jesus is asking, who, does, who do people say I am? And who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter has this great moment where he says, you're the Messiah. The son of the living God. Man, that's a great moment. If you're going to figure out how to save, be part of the team that helps save the world, you got to know that Jesus is the Messiah. I think Jesus is like, yeah, Peter, woo, you're going to get it. Now, there are other times, I don't think that's what Jesus was thinking when he was looking at the disciples. So one of my favorite examples is when the disciples... They're all going to a certain community, a certain town, and for whatever reason, that ta- the townspeople say, we don't want Jesus in our town. This was the disciples' best idea on that day. Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? I don't know, you know, I don't think that's an effective way to fish for people. The moment they resist you, you fry them. Can we? Oh, wait a minute, a little resistance. Next community, would you like to be a follower of Jesus? At least it doesn't represent the love and the compassion. I suppose people might follow, but you know, God's heart is to, and I just think, and when they, I don't know, that'd be fun in heaven if we get to ask questions like, Jesus, what was your thought when they said, hey, let's just toast this town? You know, I think Jesus is like, can I, can I pick a new team, you guys? That's the best you can think of. But it was all part of the process in becoming who God was creating them to be. So here's an observation. It's got to fill in the blank if you want to write it down. There's a difference between the introduction of purpose and the development of purpose. And the best thing is not to just have an introduction of purpose. The best thing is to have the development of purpose in your life so you're starting to fulfill it.
in my Bible time, I'm in the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible. And I was reminded that Abraham, Old Testament character, super important Old Testament character, uh, you could call him the father of faith. And part of his purpose was to become the father of many nations. God takes him out at one point and he shows him the stars and, and the sand. And he says, your offspring, you're going to have more offspring than the stars or the sand. That was his purpose. That was when he was 75 years old. That's worth noting. He didn't get the, that clarity till he was 75. But it was 25 years after that that he had his first kid. That you got to be, there has to be some patience in finding your purpose. You can't just say, hey, I feel like the Lord's calling me. And so then in two days, hopefully I'm there. Because it just doesn't work that way. Just yesterday I was looking, uh, never mind. Okay. Uh, just yesterday I was reading about Joseph in the book of Genesis. And when he was a pretty young man, God gave him a dream of a future that was going to happen. And he, but he had to go through this trial and that trial and at least a dozen years before the dream ever came to pass. So if you, if you want God's, a little takeaway here is if you want God's purpose, how badly do you want it? Because if you only want it to, bad enough to lean in for three days, that's probably not going to cut it. It might take you at least three weeks or three years, and we'll probably all develop more if we could do it maybe for like 13 years. Or, does that, all that stuff. So let me give you some hints to this before we move on. Finding God's purpose. First thing, be attentive to promptings. Be attentive to those little prompting. A prompting is that idea that, that it feels like maybe God planted in your mind. Or when you read in the, in the program at church or the announcement that we're starting a community center and you feel a prompting like, maybe I should check that out. I want to make a difference in a neighborhood that needs it. It's like those are little promptings. And what I would say to you is when you get those little promptings about maybe I should be the best neighbor ever to that person over there. Or maybe I should be phenomenal at finances, not so that I can have a bunch of money, but so that I could do something around the world with more money. You know, all those little ideas that you could have. Maybe I should pursue my musical inclinations, not so that I can be a rock star, but so that I might be able to lead other people in worship. Those little ideas, what I'm saying is just pay attention to them, and when they happen, lean that direction and check it out. So be attentive to promptings. Another hint is be patient in the process. We've already talked about that. The third one is be diligent, diligent regarding God encounters. Be diligent in your pursuit of Connecting with God through church, through Bible study, through prayer, through any way you can get in the presence of God will increase the chances of him shaping you into who he wants you to be or giving you an insight into how you already are. And I had this picture in my mind of the development of a quarterback. It's football season. Did you guys know that? Yeah, some of you are just starting to pay attention because I said football. It's football season. 
And they're actually playing some games and stuff, which is kind of exciting. Uh, but the development of a quarterback, so let's just say, so that person's designed to be a quarterback. When they're young, especially when they're young, and let's pretend that God is the coach and you're the, you have a quarterback call. When they're little, how often do they run to the coach for direction? Some of you don't know the answer to this because you don't know. But for, they're all the time. If you're in peewee league and you're developing quarterback skills, every single play, the quarterback goes, what do you want me to do, coach? And then they go back and then they do that play. And then they go, what do you want me to do, coach? And then this is just, just, that's, and even as they develop into middle school or high school, there is a constant contact with the coach because the coach, the coach knows the plan. And we don't know the plan, but the more often we get with the coach, then we'll know it. Jeremiah 29, 11. We often focus on the second part of this verse, which is the warm, fuzzy part says, God says, for I know the plans. Declares the Lord's plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. We usually focus, I think, on the second part. But this time, four days ago when I read it, I was like, oh, wait, wait. God knows the plans. God knows your plan. And if we're going to know it, if you're going to know it, Got to have lots of contact with him. Just go and say, will you tell me the plan? Tell me the plan, God. Give me more insight into the plan. So it takes some complexity in the process. Second idea. Finding God's purpose takes frequent dismissal of lesser things. Lesser things. Going to try something? Haven't tried it on a weekend in years. It is the juggling illustration. No, okay. How many of you can juggle? Actually, most of you should be able to raise your hands. It just depends on how many balls you have to juggle. Most of us can do this, right? Most of us can handle one tennis ball. Of course, the challenge comes in, how many of you could juggle two? Dear Lord, will you help me be able to sing? So two tennis balls is another thing because it's harder to do two. Then, of course, more difficult. I'm starting to sweat. Perspiration's going up, right? Would be the three. Oh, wait, the three. Of course, oh, takes. No, don't, don't, don't you dare applaud. That was horrible. Ready? Okay. <laughs> Listen to you guys. All right? Wait, watch for it. Okay. Oh, would you get that ball for me? <laughs> <laughs> so here's the idea of it. Wait, let's try one more thing. Oh, wait. Now you really should be impressed, not really. Okay. Of course. Here's the... Wait a minute. I feel like one of those jokes. 
four. I'm not even going to try. Because here's the reality of what I know about my life. I can't do four. There's no way. I used to try, practice. I can't do four. Now, there's actually an application here because we're talking about finding God's purpose for your life. New thing. He comes to the disciples and says, I want to make you fishers of men. New purpose for their life. Here's what we see in the text. For them to bring that in, they are going to have to let something go. And this is a moment. You have to be willing when God says, I want to bring this into your life. By the way, you're going to have to juggle all the different responsibilities that you have. And to get to, uh, to, to adapt and adopt that into your life, this is, these are just moments of clarity. You've got to be able to decide. By the way, I could juggle all four of these balls in the sense if I gave you this and you tossed it in. And they said, okay, here's another one. Well, I can do three. And then when God says, here, I want you to juggle this one, I can do that one. But you have to let something go to get there. And in the, of course, in the text, this is like day one of their discipleship. Jesus says, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And the first brothers says they left, right, their nets behind to follow. The next two brothers, the next two brothers, they left Right? Is it their, no, they left their boat. And the next one, they left their net. What did they, I don't know, what did they do? Yeah, they left their nets to follow him. And then James and John, they left the boat and their father. They had to drop two things to embark on the journey of purpose that God had for them. Two observations about that little section. None of the things, go ahead, you can put that back up again. None of the things there are little things. When the fisherman leaves their nets, that's not a little thing. And the next one's when they left their boat. Those are not little tiny things. This is not leave your coffee cup there and let's go. This is big stuff. The other thing I notice is Jesus does not look at them and say, no, 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 that's okay. You can bring that along. Oh, I don't, want to, I don't want to create any separation between you and that other student. No, just, just bring your dad. Just bring your boat. Yeah, just, we'll just drag that along with us. Just a little cultural observation challenge to us. We're living in a world where as you and I, if we decide we're going to take on God's purposes, there will be people, when you leave something behind, they will be quickly to voice their opinion and they'll say, whoa, 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 you don't have to be that serious. Oh, no, you, you, don't, have, you don't have to adjust your Friday night game night schedule to be a Christian. You don't have to quit. Isn't this a pretty common? You don't have to quit and fill in the gap, right? You don't have to quit whatever that is to be a Christian. And what I want to do really is caution you. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, the next time you decide you're going to make a sacrifice for the kingdom because you want to be in his purpose, and someone says, oh, no, no, it's just in your heart or maybe even verbally just say, shut up. You don't have to say it to them, but just we've got to develop our ability to prune out people who are not leaning into the purpose of God. They don't have your best interests spiritually in mind, and just go ahead and do it anyway. And 
If you're that voice for someone else, by the way, I've done that before to people. If you're the voice when someone says, man, I'm going to get serious, don't be the voice that says, oh, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't have to be all that. You don't have to, you don't have to tithe or you don't have to give up your overtime to go serve at the community center. Or you don't have to, you know, don't be that voice. Wouldn't that be a bummer if we stopped somebody else from letting something go and actually God was going to take them to this amazing place where they're going to make a difference and we were the voice that just said, oh, calm down. Can you just calm down? I don't know why I did that. Oh, fill in the blank. The disciples' first day included sacrifice. This is their first day following Jesus. It's part of normal Christianity. Sacrifice. Another little point. This is not a fill in the blank. But it's just clarity. I think you probably get this already. You cannot have it all. You cannot have it all. So pick and choose God's purpose. I have a friend who's a newer Christian and just told me, I think this last week, that he's giving up his Friday night bowling league. This is because of something else he knows God wants him to do on Friday night. I'm super proud of him. Some of them are fairly easy. Some of them are hard. Remember my early Christian walk, leaving the dating scene. I became a Christian when I was 20. I remember every so often having to leave some financial safety thing. Like, I guess I can't be sure about finances if I go do this. I remember uh, leaving behind my uh, goal to be the world's greatest juggler. I just made that up. But I remember, I remember leaving behind some different athletic pursuits. Like God saying, yeah, you, you, what do you want to be? I want to get really good at this. By the way, and it, it was a little bit hard, but it wasn't really. I'm so glad I made at least some good decisions. Some are hard, some are easy, but you. Uh, Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both. God and, now this one says money, but can I, we just expand it for personal reasons for you to consider? You cannot serve. Think of the purpose that God might be bringing into your life or the thing. You cannot serve both God and whatever that thing is. You'll have to let it go. Last fill in the blank. Is there something in the way of my God-given purpose. Let it go. And we're going to close in a minute or so, but before we do, and this is at home, at Grape Road, can we just consider two ideas as we, before we do a closing prayer? 
And it's this. These are just for you personally. I sense a calling toward. And then is there something? Father, I pray that you'd speak to us or remind us of something you've already talked to us about. Do you sense a calling toward? And if you feel something like this is what I'm supposed to explore, write it down. And lean into it. And in the midst of that, be willing to explore, hmm, it will require the release of whatever it is, it's worth it. Why don't you stand and we will close. By the way, over here, prayer team, uh, willing to pray about anything going on in your life. Um, they're nice people. Uh, if, it, if it makes a difference to you, they'll be wearing a mask because that's a more of a close contact thing as they pray for you. Uh, but don't leave if there's something going on in your life that you could benefit from some prayer. If you're especially like this purpose thing, you're like, I want to know or I want to get deeper into God's purposes, then I would encourage you to be praying with me as we close. You may want to, as a gesture to God, you might want to open your hands before him or your heart or bow your head. Or... So let's just pray. God, I pray that for some of us, maybe more than others, today, this week, this month, you would give us clarity. Uh, I pray, uh, it feels like maybe there's at least a person who feels like they have no purpose. I just pray for that person. God, you have a reason for them being here and, and you have a plan for them on the planet. Bring hope, bring challenge. We say yes to you, Lord. We say yes to you more than any other ball we're juggling. Right now, God, with just in faith, in hope, we say yes to you, God. We, as much as we can, we're like the disciples. Where do you want to go? Will you change the world because of this moment? Because many of us just say yes. Change our little world, change the big world, change our neighborhood, change our family. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.